Welcome to All Things Career Podcast. The mission of All Things Career is to provide the unwritten rules of success to people of color. No matter if you have a job or own a business, we want to share information and experiences that we wish we knew earlier in our careers. Lauren McGoodwin is career contestant CEO, number one power move advocate, and has a life mission to help women build successful and fulfilling careers on their terms. Lauren launched Career Contestant in 2013 out of her master's thesis project to close the gap in career development resources for women. Career Contestant now helps over 3 million women each year with their careers through content, online learning courses, and job listings. Let's welcome Lauren to our show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Lauren, it's such an honor to be interviewing you because just like your bio says, you help millions of women each year achieve career goals and really put the focus on career development in such a digestible way. So kudos to you and everyone at Career Contessa on just really making careers achievable for women. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. I definitely don't do it alone. Shout out to the Career Contessa team, contributors, coaches, everybody. It takes a village, but yes. We all work together to try to make career advice digestible and kind of fun. You know, if there's a way to make it more entertaining to think about your careers, we want to do that. Yes, love that. I love that. You know, for today's conversation, something that we've heard very loud and clear from a lot of our listeners is this whole idea of being strategic and being able to be strategic in the sense of using your influence to your benefit. And I've been doing some data dive and looking at what other articles say. And according to Harvard Business Review, it says in order to be effective in organization today, you must, must be able to influence people. Let's talk about why influence is important at work, no matter what level you are at. Totally. I mean, let's just start with what is influence. If you're hearing this term for the first time, or maybe you keep hearing it, but you don't actually know what it means. Influence is essentially your ability to affect or inspire specific behaviors in people toward a specific direction. In other words, how can you affect people at work and get them to kind of do ideally kind of what you want them to do. And a lot of times I think people think of influence as being this sort of icky term because it usually is related to power. Influence is power. Mm -hmm. And when we think about power at work, I think a lot of us generally just have this ick factor, but I like to think of it as like, we all have the power to influence people positively, projects positively. And so I guess one of the things is sort of reframe influence from being this thing that the top boss has, and they've got this power and authority over everybody and everyone has to do what they say to think it more about trying to find a way to affect people's behavior through inspiration, through conversation, through building trust, good communication skills. You know, it's not just I'm the boss, you have to do what I want you to do. That's good. And that's a really good thing to level set on because to your point, people do think that it's power or that you have to be in a particular position or level. So let's talk about how can you gain influence if you are that intern or if you are that entry level person, what can you do to really make sure that you're getting that influence and being able to make decisions for others? I think in the most simple way, just think about how can you be the go-to person for something? How can we rely and know that you are that person for that thing? So maybe you have an expertise where 
For example, when I was a recruiter, we used to use Jobvite. And I remember there was one person on the team where like they knew Jobvite in and out. Like they were the go-to. They had an expertise on the software that all of us used, right? So they had some influence at work. When I worked in recruiting, I was the point person for LinkedIn. So I probably had some influence related to my expertise around LinkedIn and how we were using it for our recruiting needs. So think about when do people come to you about something? What is the thing that they come to you over and over and over again? How can you be that go-to person for a specific thing? And ideally, you want to think of something that gives you energy or that you have an interest in and also you're successful at. You don't want to be the go-to person for budgets when you hate Excel and you hate budgets all the time, you know? like Yes. And that's something that even an intern is like, they could just become this really reliable person. Like I know the intern is going to get their projects done. They're going to ask smart questions. They're going to come to me at a certain time. Like that's having influence. You have the ability to affect people at work because they know you're going to get the job done. That's so good. That's so good. And you know, I think a lot of our listeners are in this place where they're working from home. And if we Mm -hmm. know anything about virtual settings is sometimes you can't get things out the same way you would in person, or we don't have those opportunities where you're walking past someone's desk. So how does that advice shift, if any, in this remote world that we don't feel like is going to end anytime soon? Yeah. I mean, certainly trying to create influence in a remote setting requires you to be more creative and more proactive because you're trying to get people to think about you without seeing your face, right? So For example, at work, they might think about you because you walked by their cubicle and had a conversation. You joined that meeting. You've got that face-to-face piece that you're not getting here. So you're going to have to find other creative ways to do that. And I know we're going to talk about later, but they're How can you make your expertise and your skills known? How can you be the person who runs really good online meetings? You know, you could just have this expertise for when you run a meeting, people know you send an agenda ahead of time. Everyone knows what the point of the meeting is. You know, there's so many pointless meetings. So this alone will make you stand out. You always send a recap. People know what they're doing afterwards, just something like that which is a different dynamic than when you were in office, maybe you didn't have to prep so much for the meeting. That's an example of something you could do in a remote setting to help you create influence. Love that. Love that. Particularly on the meeting agenda, because how many meetings do we go to and we have no agenda and you're like, what? No, no. I mean, it's again, like I'm using that as an example in the remote setting, but like Think of the things that people rarely do that you appreciate so much. Another one is like being a really good listener. You know, most of the time people are so busy thinking about what they're going to ask next or what they're going to say next that they're not very good listeners. And so one of the Mm. ways that you can create influence with your coworkers around you is be a really good listener. Ask them, what are you working on? What resources do you need? What challenges are you coming up against? And be that go-to person who has the ability to build rapport and trust Because you're a good listener, right? I think so much of listening has been lost. And it wasn't just in office, but even remotely, you know, there's even less of that. So can you set up 10-minute Zoom conversations or 15-minute conversations where you are asking the person and checking in on them? You know, those are the small things that people forget because they don't think of them as the traditional, again, definition of influence. But influence, again, it's the ability to affect people at work. It means, can I go to this person and say, hey, I need your help with this thing. And I have the ability to influence them to help me on this project. Well, 
Yes, but you probably need to build some rapport with them before you just start asking for favors, right? So usually you have one or two coworkers that you know you kind of trust and kind of are your go-to. Influence would be the ability to kind of do that with definitely more than just that inner circle at work. Love that. Love that. And speaking of that, you know, oftentimes we can go to the people that we trust or the inner circle, or I think you noted it as like our circle of directors or board of directors, but how do you go about knowing if you truly have influence with the people that matter? Yeah. You know, I think the it's kind of maybe a little trial and error. I mean, the first tip I would say is raise your hand for projects, be part of things. You know, I like to say that leadership requires you to raise your hand versus someone calling on you. And so I would say, where can you raise your hand to be part of projects that not only, of course, interest you and use your skills, but are really meaningful to the organization. So I'm not talking about busy work. I'm talking about something that's really important to your higher ups and they need someone to take on this task and you know that you have the ability to help with that. Can you raise your hand and be part of that? Or maybe it's sharing your ideas. Can you share your ideas for something that is meaningful to the higher ups that work and to your organization? Those are ways to sort of, again, get your face and your name out in front and to start to create this quote unquote influence or this value at work with people who maybe it's a little bit harder to do that with right now. Yes. I love that. I love that. And, you know, it's funny because I was in this place, you know, the beginning of 2020 of like, you know, visibility is a component of the promotion, right? Some of it's based off of being a good performer. The other part is being visible and wanting to achieve it. And I struggled with that so hard because I was like, people aren't going to see me. They don't know who I am. And I remember Career Contessa posted something that talked about sending out progress emails once a week to your boss so that they Mm -hmm. know what you're doing. They know how you're tracking and kind of being more so on the end of over communicating so that people know what's going on. I love that tip. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? So our listeners can really dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give you a little insight on the boss's perspective. Managers, I should say, have more people they're managing than than just themselves, right? The ratio probably should be like one to three or four, but it's usually one manager to like 10 employees. That means that they're not thinking about what are you working on? Where are you with your projects all the time? And so they actually really appreciate when you over communicate with them. It's basically doing one less thing on their to-do list, right? And so we call it the no need to respond email. And what you do is you send it every Monday and every Friday. And the template is really simple. On Mondays, you basically let your manager know, here are the projects that I'm working on and basically let them know there's no need to respond to this email unless there's any part of these projects that you would like me to shift. The other nice thing about that is that if they want to shift any of those projects because they're not actually meaningful to the organization because maybe you weren't part of a meeting that they just were part of or you know priorities have changed, you can quickly shift and adapt to make sure that you're working on the things that matter. Nothing hurts more than pouring your heart and soul into something and your boss just being like, okay, thanks. you know, And you're like, yes. why are you not like <laughs> pausing your whole life to read this and give me such positive feedback and recognition? Because it might not be the most important thing on their plate right now. And so that's one of the nice things also about this email is that you can hopefully not do work that doesn't matter. And then every Friday, you basically send a similar email, but that's where you recap. Here's what I got done this week. Here's my status and the projects. Maybe some of them I'm sure are still 
in process. Wouldn't it be nice if every project ended on Friday, but they usually don't. So, and it becomes almost like a paper trail for you and for your manager about your progress and what you're getting done each week and what you're working on. I also like to save these emails and put them into folders on your computer, your desktop, so that when it comes time to reviews, for example, Mm -hmm. you can look back on each month and be like, okay, what exactly was I working on? And so again, that paper trail becomes helpful for you, but it also becomes helpful for your boss. Now you haven't added anything on their to-do list. They don't actually have to respond. And to be honest, probably it will get to a point where they won't even maybe read the emails, but they're just so used to you consistently sending them and that you are so consistently on top of it that they trust you. And that alone is really, really valuable. And not to mention your name is literally top of mind because it pops into their inbox at least twice a week, right? And so, as you mentioned, part of promotions and being part of really cool projects is I don't want to say being at the right place at the right time because I don't think it comes down solely to luck, but it comes down to the person who is working hard, but also advocating and letting their boss know, here's what I'm doing. And for a long time, people have felt icky about that. We use terms like the humble brag. Well, it's not bragging in the way that maybe the old school way of thinking about like this kid on the playground is bragging about, you know, the new shoes they got for the holiday. It's not like that. You need to like reframe it and think about it as like, I'm making sure that they know what I'm working on. And that's really valuable, not just for you, but for them also. And I think when you look at it from that angle, it takes some of, again, the ick factor out of it. Because at the end of the day, people want to promote people and they want to work with people who bring value to the organization. And you are clearly doing that and you're articulating it every week. Woo, sister, you just (laughs) hit so many points. (laughs) And I just want to talk on one of those because... I remember, again, I said I started this in 2020. Girl, when it came to PM time, Lauren, Mm -hmm. I was so happy because literally all I do is, yep, I did that. I did this. It was like five minutes of prep because I had everything right there. So listeners, 10 out of 10 recommend doing this email. Maybe it's not for you two times a week. Maybe it's one time a week, but it's so easy at the end of PM time to really reflect and see holistically what you worked on. Because if you're like me, I forget I'm doing so much all the time that I don't realize that I spent a good chunk of my time working on this meaningful project and it had a big impact. But by the time it gets to December, I forgot about what I worked on in January. Yeah, Yeah. most of us can't remember what we (laughs) ate last week for dinner. You know, that's totally normal. And so if you don't write it down, your boss isn't going to know either. Yes, love that, love that. That's definitely a power move tip right there. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Lauren, one thing that, you know, we really pride ourselves on in this show is that we really provide millennials of color or professionals of color with tools and tips. And oftentimes, Professionals of color feel like they have to code switch or they feel like they can't be their authentic self. So how does one go about gaining this influence? And we're hearing all these benefits for like promotions and be at the right place at the right time. But how can you do this without compromising who you are as an individual? Yeah, I mean, I think that's hard because there's no place quite like the workplace to make you feel like you have to change who you are in order to adapt, right? Like you probably wouldn't keep hanging out with friends who you felt like you had to change yourself inside out for. And Mm -hmm. yeah, work is the place where we bring probably in a weird way, our least authentic selves. So I think it goes back to being able to create an environment for yourself where 
you have trust. And I think sometimes a lot of that starts with building relationships. And I think some of that when it comes to supporting your own colleagues, which in turn gets you support, comes down to being a good listener. You know, if influence is how you affect other people, then consider how you're showing up for your colleagues. And then my hope is that while you're cheering them on authentically and genuinely for their wins and asking how you can help, the same thing is going to come back to you. And those are the people that you are going to trust and feel safe with and vice versa. They're going to trust and feel safe with you. And so it's always a challenging question because a lot of authenticity comes down to the type of culture that's being created, which is a much bigger conversation than just what you have control over. And so I always tell people, I'm like, then let's try to control the stuff that we do have control over. And I don't think it's nearly as simple as telling people just show up as their authentic self, because for so many of us, we don't even know what our authentic self at work is. But I, I think, you know, part of authenticity is like, you can't be authentic unless you feel safe with who you are with and who you're around. And so I guess my way to kind of tiptoe into that is to like reverse engineer it a little bit. And instead of putting all the onus on you, maybe start by being that supportive colleague, being that really good listener, learning what people do. And again, asking where you can help, learning how you can share them on for their wins and vice versa and and try it that way. I wish I had this like one, two, three step advice on how to bring your authentic self to work and how to get people to appreciate people's authentic selves. But at the end of the day, we're a bunch of humans in a workplace together. And humans are the hardest people to change their behaviors, to change their unconscious or maybe conscious biases. And so this stuff is hard. And if it feels hard, you know, show yourself some compassion because it's tough stuff, you know? And I think that beating yourself up because you didn't bring your authentic self to that meeting isn't going to help you bring your authentic self to that meeting next time. Show yourself some self-compassion and be like, hey, you did a really good job. And in the future, maybe try this thing instead. You might feel better at the end of that meeting. Or next time they ask for ideas, speak up. You know, this time you had an idea, but you were too afraid to speak up. Stuff like that. And I just think going about it by giving yourself some self-compassion versus being critical of all the things you didn't do. It's just like, I don't find that to be a very productive use of time. Yes, that's so real. And you know, something that I've heard people say is like, I don't want to be fake. Like, I don't like these people. Like, I don't want to like, not be quote unquote, lack of better words, my authentic self, but it's kind of like, to your point, you know, that's going to look very differently in the workplace and you got to find and model what you want to experience. So love that. Yeah. And I don't think I'm asking, like, I try to tell people, I'm like, look, or no one's asking you to change a hundred percent who you are, but at the end of the day, you want to get things done, right? You want to be able to influence projects or get what you want out of the project or be able to be part of a project or whatever it is in order to get what you want. You are going to have to, I don't want to say play the game a little bit, but you are going to have to work with other people. You know, that's part of how this works is you're going to have to find a way to collaborate with other people, whether they're personalities and their style of doing things works for you. If their communication style isn't for you, no one goes, oh, oh, okay, it doesn't work for you. Great. Then we'll just kick them off the team and then you just keep doing what you're doing. We'll all, we all have to find ways to adapt and find a place where it's like, you're not giving too much all the time. It's kind of like relationships, right? Like is any relationship 50-50? No, some days you might give 90 and your partner gives 10, but overall Mm -hmm. you're trying to find a balance. I think having more of a expectation like that around your colleagues and your coworkers and your boss and all of that is 
smart because managing your expectations is also a big piece of this. Yes, 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 yes. If you could say there's one or two things that you should avoid when you're trying to gain influence or just anything you shouldn't do around the whole idea of influence, what would you say? I think thinking of influence like it's power and authority and intimidation and aggressiveness, I would say those are all don'ts. You know, I think influence comes from finding ways to create value for the people around you. Again, I would just say like maybe your traditional way of thinking about influence, you're going to have to throw that out and start fresh with more of a viewpoint of, okay, how can I inspire specific behaviors of people? You know, how can I affect these behaviors or affect people at work in a positive way? Because like I said, anybody can think of power and abuse it, but we also all have the power to positively affect people at work too. Love that. Love that. Love that. And I think you've given our listeners lots of good tips on how they can start their influencing journey. As we begin to close, another thing that we pride ourselves on is really giving the unwritten rules of success and career management to our listeners. So what is your unwritten rule and how have you kind of seen that play out in your career? Mm, That's a good question. I would have to say it comes down to consistency. Something I actually say a lot in the book is I talk about this metaphor of glitter and glue, right? And the glitter is, you know, the fancy schmancy highlight reel stuff that you put on IG, LinkedIn, all those places. And yeah, those are fun, glamorous moments, but it's the glue. It's the consistent habits or the consistent showing up. It's the glue that holds things together. It's the glue that, you know, builds one foundation that allows you to take a step up to the next level. And so I think for me, the unwritten rule for success is being really consistent, having good habits and being really consistent. And the habits aren't necessarily set to one result. They're more like set to a process. And I have found that when you do that, you think about consistency over maybe the intensity of something, or maybe the results orientedness only of something, you get a lot further, not just in your career, but also in life. Love that. Love that. I love the glitter and glue. Side note, make that like a, <laughs> something that you could put on your desk because it's yeah. so good. It's so good. And once you read the book, it definitely sticks out to you. I mean, you need both. You know what I mean? Like life is about a balance. You know, it would be boring to just be full of glue all the time. And it is fun to have those glitter moments. But as you know, like glitter doesn't sustain the house. You know what I mean? So I don't want people to think like they never get to have these moments where they get to just sit and enjoy and be really proud of themselves and think about their accomplishments. I absolutely think you should do that. The thing about it is I think too many people focus only on those and they forget about the consistent tiny efforts, the thousands of micro progress moments that happen to help you get to that place. Right. And we hear about all these like self-made stories and these overnight success stories. And one of the most unfortunate things about that is that it mismanages people's expectations you know, the overnight success took someone 10 years. So you have to kind of see past that or someone I know, she always says, you have to ask for the receipts, (laughs) you know, like show me the receipts, (laughs) which I think is actually a good point these days. Yes, 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 yes. Well, as we close, Lauren, thank you first and foremost again for taking some time to chat with us and give our listeners some meaningful information and talking about influence. But I wanted to leave our listeners with how they can connect with you, uh, why they should buy power moves and (laughs) just anything else that you would like to leave with them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can follow and connect with us. It's careercontessa.com. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out and then we're at Career Contessa on probably every uh, social media platform you can think of. Very active on Instagram. And then the pitch to buy power moves. The power moves teaches women how to pivot, reboot, and build a career of purpose. And if what I just said about glitter and glue and building habits and finding ways to really be more consistent versus focusing on that intensity, then I think Power Moves is for you because Power Moves is going to help you figure out, obviously quitting your job or launching a business is a big power move. But what about all the daily power moves and the medium power moves and this approach to life where you're using these power moves to help move you forward and building a life around progress versus this perfection or this result that you're chasing. So if you're feeling kind of like you're on this hamster wheel with your career, especially, I think power moves will really resonate with you and teach you kind of the main takeaways on how you can build this approach to your career and your life, I guess, that is much more sustainable. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to All Things Career. Be sure to subscribe to learn more ways to increase your value. Don't let what you learned today go to waste. Leave a review. Let us know how you plan on using today's content to improve your career. Until next time.